Temple University is ranked among the top 50 public universities in the U.S. Through hands-on learning opportunities and world-class faculty, Temple students are prepared to soar in their careers. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu slash visit. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, world, and welcome back to Grid Iron Campbell, the only podcast that puts its money where its mouth is, I'm your host, Rich Ryan, and I'm joined by one member of the collective, Donnie D.P. Peters. And I have one very important question for him as we recap a week 10 where the collective went one in four. Donnie, would you have vetoed off another stellar pick by your boy? Go, Pat, go! Outright winners, home dogs. You said they blow. You said there's no chance that they were going to win. You were blustering that you would have vetoed. But if I would have pulled the trigger, if I would have put the Green Bay Packers. Okay, good. I don't feel as bad then. (laughs) But, I mean, come on. Butterfly effect, everything changes. Yeah, exactly. The whole whole slate changes. I veto. We still don't know the result because I would have put Commanders plus 11 on. That's right. We're recording here on yeah. Monday morning, East Coast time. I guess West Coast Although as well. Although I was thinking of also putting on the Seahawks, so it would have been the same result. And my reasoning there was that there was more collective confidence on the Seahawks than on the... And they were my number three. So I was like, you know, I could just put this one on. Everyone would be happy, kind of. But that wouldn't have worked out either. <laughs> Which, holistically, so I got absolutely ragdolled by not only the collective but our great patrons on discord patreon.com slash gridiron gamble for manipulating the results stop the steal there was a lot of picketing against my geppetto nature pulling the strings during the show but to me the reason why we do the picks last and the reason why there's an order of the picks I'm okay with people switching their pick with new information. What's wrong with that? I I thought, given the fact that I was the highest on the Packers and you had the power to remove them, that I would just go ahead and make the best pick possible. And like you said, we had a lot of consensus on the Hawks, which unfortunately didn't come true. It wouldn't be the show if we didn't pick on it. So. <laughs> <I> trust me. <laughs> trust the hell me. With it. I, I'm, uh, I'm number one ball buster, so... No issues here. And I can take it. That's the thing. We just we, we just can't bust Mo's balls. I was going to say. He's very, very sensitive, um, leaves the chat several times a year, probably two dozen. He's never done um, anything wrong. Never it's done always your wrong. fault. It's always, it's always everyone else's fault. Even when you buy action of him in a poker tournament, you know, he's doing you, have you this to massive him. favor. <laughs> you have to thank him when you buy action. What a character. But we still love him at the end of the day. He's still our guy. He was in person yesterday for for Chiefs Jags, a 10-point victory in cover for his Kansas City Chiefs. Jan was in attendance as well. But we have to start 
with the game of the day. The Bills make me wanna. The Bills definitely made the Buffalo faithful want to shout, but it was not joyful screams coming from Erie County as the Minnesota Vikings win in overtime 33 to 30. Buffalo outgains the Vikings 6.8 to 6.1. More first downs, 29 to 24. Better in the red zone, 3 of 6 to Minnesota's 1 of 4. But it came down to turnovers, 4 for the Bills, 2 for the Vikings, 2 absolutely killer ones for the Bills. Of course, the last one to end the game. But that wasn't even as bad as... Of course, the fumble at the one-yard line after getting the goal line stand. And then sneakily, DP, I think the worst turnover of the game. Bills up 17-0, marching down the field, and Devin Singletary fumbles on the precipice of the red zone. Vikings go three and out and punt, and then the Bills walk down the field and score to make it 24-10 at halftime. There's a world where the Bills also score on that drive, and we're looking at like 27-10 31 to 10 at halftime. Close the books. Game's over. Should have been over anyway. This parlay that the Vikings hit is insane. The fourth and 18 miracle catch by Justin Jefferson. One of the best catches you'll ever see. I won't take it away from JJ. Incredible play. But Cam Davis, come on, guy. Just knock it into the third row. Act like a volleyball player. Spike it as hard as you can. And then we get the goal line stand. And all we need is no fumble on the center quarterback exchange. What does Josh do? Put the ball on the ground. Vikings touchdown. DP, that's like a thousand to one parlay. That Jefferson catch and fumbling the ball on the quarterback center exchange at the one yard line. Literally, we're talking like thousand to one parlay. Yeah, and Justin Jefferson made another really tough catch after that where he got drilled in the air. Um, I mean, listen, Justin Jefferson balled out, but as you said, that that DB swat that thing into the third row, and and like it's this it's the thing you hear on hail marys all the time. Do not try and intercept it; just hit it as hard as you can to the ground. <laughs> Every time someone's mic'd up, knock it down. Everyone on the sideline is just screaming, knock it down. I mean, he's probably got some sort of interception bonus in his contract. I get it, you know, (laughs) but I mean, you you just got to smack that away. If you just smack that away, there's no shot that Justin Jefferson is catching that ball. Justin Jefferson made an absolutely incredible catch. He was on fire this game. Bills fell apart in the second half. Only scored six points. I mean, they were cruising. I was like, I kind of didn't pay attention to this game. I was like, okay, this is easy. We got the cover. Josh is cooking. Offense is cooking. As we expected, you know, as we predicted, um, Kirk Cousins outside against a tough defense that can get after him, you know, in the elements because it did snow a little bit early on. It was a little bit windy. He looked like a disaster. Vikings couldn't move the ball. Well, I'm like, okay, this is a cakewalk. The Bills are going to score 40. The Vikings are going to score 17. End of story. Nope, that's not how it went. There was like the first half was all Bills. Second half was all Vikings in a way. I think at one point, JMW in the Discord was like, oh, I forgot this game was on. It was that much of a roll show in favor uh, of Buffalo. And the last pick, I I glossed over it because we were drawing dead to the cover once the Vikings open up overtime with the field goal. But if you're a Bills fan, watching Josh Allen force that ball into the end zone on second and 10, 
You've got Devin Singletary coming off a chip directly to his right with 15 yards of free space in front of him. Even if you don't see that and you just throw it out of the end zone, you still have one more down to try to get the first. You're in field goal range for Bass. Just a real tough scene for, for Josh Allen, who all the injury worries coming into this game, DP, he didn't play like a player who was injured. He was throwing seeds. He was accurate. It came down to, once again, decision-making. Yeah, and the decision-making was highly questionable in some of those <laughs> some of those plays. I mean, it's the good and the bad with Josh Allen. That's what you're going to get. Um, I mean, at this point in his career, it just seems like it's just going to be that way every single game. Like, you're never really going to fully get the bad Josh Allen out of Josh Allen. There are going to be times. And, you know, with the way that he plays the arm strength that he has, he's going to get away with a lot of things where you're like, oh, don't do that, don't do that. Oh, it worked out. You know, like the standard, you know, shoot the shoot the three-point shot from the, from half uh, half court, you know, Steph Curry style. It's like, oh, don't shoot, don't shoot. Oh, wait, it went in because you're Steph Curry. Like, that, that's kind of what this is in a lot of ways. Um, he's a lot of fun to watch, you know, overall. He's just, somebody's got to beat the stupidity out of him at times. And that, that, that stupidity is largely decision-making it's not necessarily like he throws ducks or stuff like that like he has an absolute cannon and that's also probably why he screws up a lot because he's like you know what i'm just gonna gun this in there 300 miles an hour that's it end of story no one's gonna touch it and then yeah well you you gotta remember josh you're in the nfl everyone's an athlete out there (laughs) like they can go get the ball so yeah i mean the bills just fell apart in the second half i mean it sucks for us, at least. And then that parlay was just the stupidest thing yeah. I've ever seen. And the Vikings remain the most ridiculous 8-1 team in the history of mankind. Really? They they just keep doing it. They just. I heard something after the game where somebody was like, it might have been right on the post-game show. Like I might have still had this on because this was one of the games, the channels that had the full game. But they were like, you know, the, the Vikings come in, they're 7-1, everyone's talking about how they're fraudulent, they haven't beaten anyone, well now they beat the Bills. And I'm like, buddy, did you watch the end of that game? They had to hit the most ridiculous. It's not like they went out and like b- pasted the Bills or like went toe to toe with the Bills. Like they didn't really do that. I mean, they, it took a miracle at the end of that game in the final minute and a half, an absolute miracle for them to win. So I'm, so I'm still not really a believer in them. I mean, Kirk Cousins looked shaky as all hell. Yeah. I received a tweet from, uh, our good friend, podcast listener, the great Catino. I need an apology from at Gridiron Gamble, specifically at Rich T. Ryan. For all the Viking slander on the pod this week. I can't apologize. I'm sorry. You shouldn't have covered. You shouldn't have won. This is a joke. I can't wait to play you in, I think it's week 12. Jets at Vikes. Vikes are going to be favored by way too many points. They're going to flex this to NBC, by the way. That's another uh, one of Rich's locks. We're going to rush four, drop seven, and we're going to kick your ass. (laughs) I don't know know how else to put it. Uh, It's going to come down to, once again, is Zach Wilson an idiot? If he's an idiot, we're not going to play well. If he's not an idiot, the Jets are going to beat the Vikings. So no, sorry, not apologizing. Thanks for listening, but ne- never. I, mean, I already like never the spot. Apologize. I already like the spot for them next week. I think it's going to be great. Dallas at Minnesota. Dallas coming off that loss, we just everyone just watched that. They well, can get the market, after the quarterback. So much respect for Dallas. Dallas I road favorites. Dallas road favorites. I thought the market was going to overreact. <laughs> Yeah, I thought the market was going to overreact. Okay, never mind. Dallas Road favorites opened, I think opened two, has come down to plus one and a half. 
On the and other that end, also says, that also says everything that you need to say about how the market views this Vikings team. They know they're frauds. They can't even be they can't, against the Cowboys. Like yeah. If you go by their record and all the chatter that's out there for the pro-Vikings people, they should be three and a half points at home versus the, the Cowboys. But they're not. <laughs> yeah. And then Buffalo. Buffalo's a weird one. The look ahead's kind of fake because it, this, the Josh Allen chicanery injury was, was still at play. The look ahead was Buffalo minus six and a half at home against the Cleveland Browns. Opens nine, which I think is probably where the look ahead would have been with Josh Allen, closer to double digits. And the Browns are a team we'll get to in a moment. But we have to go to Germany, the Allianz Stadium where Bayern Munich play their home games. And it's Bucks 21, Seahawks 16. The Bucks were three-point favorites in the contest. We were on the Hawks, Tampa Bay. More first downs, 26 to 19. Both teams with the exact same output, 5.7 yards per play. The Bucks two of three in the red zone. The Seahawks split their chances, one of two. The Bucks threw two interceptions, one of them by <laughs> Leonard Fournette. On one of the more puzzling, I mean, they, they ran a running back pass to Brady, but it wasn't like, usually you run this at like the five yard line, right? So it's just a red zone pass. No, it's like 35 yards away from the end. Tom Brady's running a 30 yard wheel route down the left hand side, slips uh, and it's an interception. The other was just a horrid Brady throw into zone where he couldn't, uh, doesn't have the arm strength to thread zone anymore Seahawks have one turnover and DP this game just comes down to the Seattle didn't show up until the second half Seahawks run 20 plays in the first half for 29 yards 1.45 they, they couldn't get anything going yeah that's the that's so literally bad. the game 14 nil so and a half and then, game and over second half they came out they started cooking Gino started cooking like things look good they looked they like the Hawks the ball yeah, they looked like the Hawks. I mean, there was a little bit of a kind of a dust up there with DK Metcalf. Looked like he was going to take the ref's head off at one point. But um, other than that, I mean, they looked good in the second half. Kenneth Walker really wasn't a thing in this game, but that's kind of what we expect against the Bucks front. So that's not something too crazy. I think people might look at him and be like, oh, Kenneth Walker sucked. But I mean, it's the Bucks front D. It's Vita Vea. It's all those guys. I mean, those guys are animals out there. So I would not take anything too much away from that. This is more on... The, the passing game, you know, and they need to get things going early on and they didn't. And the Bucks were able to get out to that lead early on. And that was really ultimately the difference because once the Seahawks started moving the ball in the second half, I mean, they were putting points up on the board. They were getting down there and uh, yeah, I mean, it sucked, but then also like there was that stupid fumble from Gino, like running around like an idiot in the, in the backfield. Like what was he on the 15 yard line or something like just kind of clueless there. Like he, it was very weird because I mean, we don't, this year, Gino's been playing super well. He's been very decisive with everything, you know, but that was a really weird kind of indecisive. Like, you didn't really know if it was a QB draw play, but then he kind of got scared and went the other way. But then it looked like he might try and, like, stop and throw the ball. So it was just kind of really indecisive from Gino and ultimately led to a fumble that uh, ruined their chances there in, there in the red zone. One of the big plays in the first half, if you could call it, for the Seahawks, they were trying to put together a drive. Gino on a third and two. Rolled out right, but just kept running laterally instead of going forward and getting an easy first down. And still, he ends the day with eight yards per attempt. I mean, this is just, this was classic coin where the Bucks don't do anything. They just kind of show up and play football and the other team implodes. They imploded for a half and they had no shot of digging themselves out of that crater. And that's just how it goes. 
nothing else really to gain from this game. The Bucks are still very average, very very average. They've got slight above average potential, I think, when this offense gets going in the short passing attack. But against good teams, this Bucks team uh, is is not a team that you want you want to support. Against really bad teams, we might have some opportunities to back them. But even still, if they're laying big numbers, I, I don't know how how we can support them with, with this kind of horizontal offense. A team who we need to be supporting more often. DP, you said I made the worst pick of the year last week. You might have actually done it this week. Dolphins 39, Browns 17. We had the Browns plus three and a half. We ate all the steam, steamed all the way to three and a half. We jumped aboard, choo-choo. Dolphins 29 first downs to 20. 7.3 yards per play to 4.8. Three for five in the red zone for the Dolphins. The Browns split their two chances, and the Browns also have the sole turnover in the game. Started off rosy. Browns marched down the field, a big 38-yard play to Donovan Peoples-Jones en route to a touchdown drive. And then the Dolphins scored 24 consecutive points and put the game to bed. DP, I think the most important thing to take away from this game in my opinion, and it's a question I teed up for Mo on Thursday, is was the Browns' performance on Thursday night indicative of a team that's going to start playing to their talent level, or was it a blip on the radar in a very poor 2022 2022 season thus far? And I think with this game, granted the Dolphins' offense is a wagon, I think we need to start capping for the Browns' defense being mediocre. And if that's the case, this is a mediocre at best unit overall yeah i mean i think i'm in agreement with that after watching this game i mean they sucked on defense miami did whatever they want miami continues to do whatever they want on offense um yeah i mean and then the browns offense didn't really show up too well i mean i thought you know nick chubb would have a much better day than he did they only ran the ball with him 11 times which is kind of crazy um i mean he had his first fumble in like 35 years, I feel like. I mean, of Dolphins course, and of course, it just bounces right to the Miami guy. Like, yeah, it's, I mean, it's just unbelievable with this defense. Everyone on the Miami defense is hurt, but doesn't matter. Nick Chubb, who never fumbles, is just going to give you the ball. Like, that's just how this is going to work out. So, yeah. Amari Cooper, like, he, he annoys the hell out of me. Three for 32. Bro, like, get open. I wonder if that was Xavier. Uh, I wonder if, if X shadowed him. I didn't. I saw a lot of this game, but I wasn't paying attention enough to notice something of that detail. Um, but yeah, I, I've I've always this season I've been very wary of brisket. Some of the things that he came into the season as someone who you trust in decision making, someone who's not going to make the mistake. But this year he's been a, a little bit shaky, and it sucks. Once you get down so many points, it's it's hard to do what the Browns want to do, which is turn in hand to Chubb a lot. Meanwhile. The Dolphins, they've been doing it with 15-yard chunk plays in the past game. This was the game, DP, where they started to look like Niners East. When they have six yards per carry. When Jeff Wilson has seven yards per carry on the ground. And they spread you out. And they create these lanes in, in zone rushing. And they absolutely shred you. And it's even more terrifying than what the Niners can do. Because the Dolphins actually have a vertical threat where the Niners are like a complete horizontal team, where where Debo is is basically an H-back marauding as a receiver. And Ayuk, while he can go down the field, I mean, 
Ayuk next to Hill or Waddle. It's not even a contest. So this Dolphins offense is is very scary. And I've been saying it all along. If if Chubb comes in and plays well, if they get Byron Jones back healthy, the, the Dolphins, I don't know. They might be the best team in football. I mean, I don't think that's too crazy to say. I mean, and a lot, I think, is going to come down with them. Playoff time, you know, home field advantage. So, for sure, if they can somehow lock up that number one seed, that's going to be really beneficial to them. Um, you know, if they end up having to go somewhere like into Buffalo, into KC, wherever it may be, I think that's just going to be really hard for them, as it would be for any team. So, it's not necessarily just a Dolphins thing. For sure. And um, if their defense isn't right, then yeah. the Bills and Chiefs can have their way against them and then the bills and chiefs actually having good defenses is going to put pressure on miami a lot of pressure that they haven't seen most of the year because uh, let's be face it uh, let's face it it seems like miami's had a fairly easy road and when they did have tough competition it was hard to measure them because they were playing at Bengals at jets with backup quarterbacks so we haven't really seen the Dolphins against a full strength defense, this kind of iron sharpens iron matchup. Even that Bills, the Bills had a ton of injuries in the secondary. I think we were on Dolphins in that game uh, as road dogs, uh, as home dogs, excuse me. So we haven't really had that iron sharp, sharpens iron game. And we still haven't seen Tua do it, you know, third and seven game on the line, good defense on the other side of the field. So. I'm not saying outright that the Dolphins are by far the best team, but if they can get their defense back, then I think it's going to be a lot closer than people think. I mean, they got a hell of a schedule coming up. I mean, good or bad. Texans Texans next week is a joke, but after that, at 49ers, at Chargers, at Bills. I mean, that's a pretty hard hard road trip right there. Yeah, there we go. We'll, we'll start to see whether this Dolphins team can continue to just uh, steamrolling people. The, this was the most frustrating game of the day for me. Denver 10, Titans 17. We had Denver plus two and a half in the contest. Denver 18 first downs to Tennessee's 14, 14 first downs in a pro football game. It's 5.1 to 4.3 in favor of the Titans, however. And the Titans split their two red zone trips while the Denver Broncos make... You and I had as many trips to the red zone as the Denver Broncos did yesterday, Donnie. Zero. Both teams had a turnover. Both teams had long touchdowns as well. But I'm going to say this, and it's going to sound like sour grapes. The Denver long touchdown was a design, okay? They ran Virgil on a wheel route against zone where the corner was pulled into a boundary receiver and the safety was pulled into that post as well. And in a very well-designed play, Virgil gets open past the corner and then beats the safety one-on-one to the end zone. The Titans' long touchdown was a flea flicker where the safety and the quarterback ran into each other, fell down, and a guy just ran something Westbrook a game ran 60 yards untouched. There is a difference. And that's the game right there. The Titans could not move the ball an inch. The Broncos couldn't either. I, I, I will admit that. But I, if this Titans team lived in negative script the whole game, DP, I think I think we get a cover and an outright win from the from the Broncos in this game. Yeah. I mean, this game is annoying. The Broncos 
continue to be annoying. Uh, I mean, I know there's going to be spots where obviously we want to back them going forward, but I also don't want to touch them because I'm just so annoyed with this team over and over again. And on the other side, I'm annoyed at the Titans because from what we saw this week, I mean, I watched very little of this game because it just never came up on the screen. Um, I don't know how we didn't cover last week with the Chiefs. I mean, <laughs> Malik Willis. I mean, it's just, again, it's just an absolute joke. Russell Wilson looks like a disaster out there half the time. I mean, I know he had that good play that you just talked about, and Jerry Judy went down, which isn't a good thing, but, you know, Jerry Judy at this point is you should just expect an injury because that's how Jerry Judy is. Um, but, yeah, this this uh, Broncos offense just – I don't know, man. At some point in this season, they got to score more than 10 points. I mean, it's just like it's got to happen. So I don't know if that's coaching. I don't know if that's ultimately on Russ. I mean, if you watch these games, I don't think Russ looks good. You know, he looks kind of indecisive at times. There's definitely times when also he looks like he thinks he's five years younger. Like he tries to run or move in the pocket or do something like old Russ. And it's like, Dude, you ain't got it no more like that. Not that you're not athletic still, because you are, but you're just not what you used to be, and you can't do that sort of stuff. Um, so there's that factor, and yeah. I mean, and then, you know, I was in the other room when this uh, flea flicker happened, and I just heard it on the audio, and I was like, you got effing, effing kidding me. I was like, what? Like, I mean, really? I mean, even... A flea flicker? <laughs> this game, nine punts to start, then the Denver has the long touchdown, the Titans come roaring back with a three-play, negative 11-yard drive. It was so bad. Tannehill couldn't move. Couldn't move. I mean, how good... How like the Denver kept Derrick Henry to 53 yards, 2.8 yards per carry. Like, I mean, that's a really good day if you're going against Derrick Henry. I can't <laughs> I wait. Know what, I don't I know what else this, you got to do. Denver hosts your Vegas Raiders this week. The worst team in the universe, by the way. <laughs> Which, segue, we're going to get to right after this, but isn't that a spot where, isn't Vegas everyone's get-right spot on offense? This Vegas defense, oh my god. I mean, let's get to it. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to, has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Indy 25. Vegas 20. 20 first downs for Indianapolis to Vegas's 18. Seven yards per play for the Colts to Vegas's 4.8. Vegas actually efficient in the red zone. Two of three. The Colts split their two chances, and the Colts have the only turnover in the game. Should have been two, but something Darian Butler, the Butler did it. 
tried to be the hero, went for the scoop and score up 20 to 19, and couldn't pick up an oblong object. The Colts recover, and on the very next play, it's a 35-yard game-winning touchdown to Paris Campbell. I got a couple gripes about this game. One, Donnie, most importantly, leader of men. Does this mean that coaching doesn't matter? I mean, no. Coaching for sure matters. But coaching matters less when you're going against a team as bad as the Raiders. Like, you just don't, like, what, like, you could almost just, like, the Colts could go out there almost with no coach. Matt Ryan could be like, I'm just going to call the plays and we'll just figure it out as we go because the Raiders are that bad. Now, if you're going up against a team like, I don't know, if you're going up against Bill, a Bill Belichick team, for example, if you're going up against the Miami Dolphins, the Bills, the Chiefs, et cetera, yeah, coaching's for sure going to matter. It's interesting because I've always actually been pro CEO head coach, right? You look at somebody like, John Harbaugh, who is a special teams coach by nature. He's not in the offensive playroom. He's not in the defensive playroom. He's not necessarily scheming X's and O's. He's making sure that the whole operation is tight. And I think when you get into trouble is when you see some of these head coaches who are actually coordinators that were elevated to the position and are focusing too much on one of the three phases and and beyond the three phases of offense, defense, special teams is, is the game management aspect of when should we challenge? When should we go for it? What's the flow of the game? These types of things where somebody who is a CEO head coach is, is going to have an advantage because they can focus holistically on the entire picture as opposed to, to one frame of the game. All that being said, <laughs> Jeff Saturday doesn't have any experience doing it right. Like these other CEO head coaches have, have gone through it, right? They've like Harbaugh, they've been a special teams coach. They've been in the building and I get I Saturday's been a player and he has consulted for the Colts, but I don't know, man, this, this feels to me, I'm going to die on the hill for one more week. This feels more like dead cat bounce. Old coach is gone as opposed to, Jeff Saturday is leader of men. I think the Colts are going to lose by infinity next week against the Eagles. I mean, yeah. I mean, I'm <laughs> with you. I'm, 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 I'm pro CEO head coach in football, but you also have to have the ability that if shit goes sideways, you got to be able to grab the clipboard and get in there with your team, which which I think the best coaches can do. Bill Belichick, for sure. He's a CEO, but if he's got to get in there and coach the defense or do something on the offense, he'll do it. Same with Harbaugh. Like, that's what these guys do. The, the person that I think is the, is the opposite, that also had kind of a weird elevation to head coach, is Dan Campbell. He's more of a CEO type of guy. He was like the the Dolphins tight ends coach and then all of a sudden was the head coach and now he's like has these other head coaches head coaching jobs but like if Dan Campbell actually needs to get in and like call the offensive plays or the call the defensive right. plays like I have no idea what the hell he's going to do. <laughs> right. Like no no clue. He's going to run through a wall. Let's go bite some kneecaps. Like that's going to be like the end of his thing. You know? So I don't know if Jeff Saturday's that guy. Maybe he is. Maybe, who knows? Like it's one game we have no idea. He could just be the savant. Who the hell knows, right? But I mean, he for sure has like that leader of men CEO quality 
that said, like I said, when shit goes sideways and you got to make adjustments on the fly and you got to be, you got to also like, you have to be able to ask the right questions. Like if your offense is doing one thing, you got to be like, well, guys, why are we doing that? Why don't we try this? Like, well, are you just going to suggest wacky things because you're just like a high school coach now that's coaching the NFL? I don't know. So for sure, the jury, the jury is still out on Jeff Saturday. Um, but I agree with you that this is just, it was dead cat bounce, but it was also against a really like dumpster fire of a team. I mean, the Raiders also, can't do anything. Also buried the lead. Jonathan Taylor back. Matt Ryan back. I mean, so... I was. Pro- I know Matt Ryan hasn't been good this season, but he looked way. He's more a professional, of a professional quarterback. QB. Yeah, Ellinger doesn't mean Ellinger might not be threshold. It's likely that he's not threshold. Right, mid round pick, didn't get a sniff last year. It's it's likely that he's not threshold. He he kind of faked me out by being somewhat competitive for a quarter uh, against the Commanders, but might not be threshold. So Ursay just wanted Reich out. Why didn't he just fire him? Why did he go through the charade of saying that Ellinger's the quarterback for the rest of the season and then boot Reich and then bring back Matt Ryan? I don't understand it. Like, if you told me going into this that Matt Ryan was the quarterback, I would have 100% been on board with you guys. Because then then you get dead cat bounce, uh, legend head coach for a game. Everyone's fired up. And you get Matt Ryan back. The whole locker room was like an 11 of a 10. I mean, he's likely in this sort of spot. Like, he's like kind of my career's on the line type of thing. I got bounced for this this like 20-year-old kid. Like I got to come back and actually do something. And not that Matt Ryan like, you know, blew the doors off in this game, but he looked like a professional QB. Like there's no way you could look at what we saw from Sam Ellinger and this game of Matt Ryan and be like, yeah, I'm going to go back to Sam Ellinger. Like this is no shot. Like Matt Ryan looked competent out there. And then you sprinkle in that it's the Raiders defense, which is bottom of the league and everything. How much of a broke boy is the Davis family for Josh McDaniels to still have a job this morning? That's a hundred percent. We're broke and we can't pay three coaches. That is exactly what that is. If they were an actual wealthy family that deserved to run an NFL franchise, or at least had good lawyers and felt like they were going to win the case against John Gruden, Josh McDaniels would be an assistant coach for the Patriots next week against the Jets. Well, the, the the Gruden situation, the the Gruden contract is for sure way worse. Hundred million over ten years, pluck the guy out of a booth. When's the last time he coached? A, we were talking about Jeff Saturday not coaching the NFL. When was the last time John Gruden coached the NFL? Like that's that was an insane hire at the time. I mean, and now like like you said, it's going to um, hurt them going forward if they can't do things like get out of this deal with Josh McDaniels and then bring someone else in and pay him because they're just hamstrung by this whole situation. So. Yeah, we. I mean, we don't think like that's not necessarily really talked about. I don't think like that the fact that they gave John Gruden all this money and now and that like it's not we're not talking money like this is on the salary cap like no but this is like real dollars that you have to pay for people and these owners are at the end of the day they're businessmen and they're gonna look at the balance sheet and be like I have to pay one coach a hundred million I got to pay this other coach fifty million. What the hell am I doing here? Like, no, I'm not, I'm not doing it. I'm not, I'm not bringing another guy in and paying these guys for not being here. Hundred percent. This isn't Madden, where they, it's a computer game and a video game, and and these things have no consequences. And again, I say this because the Davis family, their company is the Raiders. They're not billionaires that also own a football franchise. This is it. 
So they need to be fiscally responsible. And they have, I think, six years of $60 million left of Gruden. And DP, I think they backloaded it because they knew that they were going to have to pay off some loans for helping to finance the new stadium. Cause I don't think it was a hundred percent paid uh, by the city. Obviously I think the Davis is the Davis family had to chip in. So I'm fairly certain that they backloaded the Gruden contract, which is now the years that hurt the most are coming up and they're probably going to have to be paying three coaches. <laughs> I mean, it can never go well when you pluck a guy out of a commentary booth. I'm, I'm sorry. Like, I no. unless you're Jeff Saturday. <laughs> yeah, leader of men. <laughs> leader of men. There, there's two games that we didn't have that I want to get to, and they were both examples of high leverage situations mattering. Giants 24, Texans 16. The Texans, I, I said this in our gridiron WhatsApp chat, if you had real American dollars on the New York Giants this weekend, you can send us a gift basket. Because if if we had the Giants... There is no way that the Texans have four straight backdoor opportunities and fail on all four of them. Okay? This is impossible. The last four drives for the Texans, if they score one touchdown, I I believe they cover. Even if they convert one of these field goals to a touchdown, I believe they would have got to cover. If not in the contest, at least in real life. They get to the 10-yard line. They fumble. Good start. Next drive. They get to the 12 yard line. It looks like they get an illegal shift. They get a holding penalty and then they throw an interception. Next drive, they get down into the red zone forced to kick a 34 yard field goal. And the final drive, they get to the 17 yard line. They take a 10 yard sack and then they play math ball and they go for the 46 yard field goal because they're down two possessions. It, it converts, but it's not good for the cover. One of six in the red zone for the Houston Texans. Now, I will say that's more predictive because the Texans are a bad football team. But still, there's, there's some variance in there that, that, that blows you away. So the Giants get the cover. Another team with red zone variance going their way, getting the cover. Niners 22, Chargers 16. The Chargers covered last night because the Niners kicked three field goals, Steve with a sum yardage of 66. That's right. The same length of Justin Tucker's record-setting field goal against the Detroit Lions a few seasons ago. Two fourth and twos, they decide to kick field goals. 2.8% 2.8% equity punted on one, 1.3% equity punted on the other. And this is after they traded the farm for a running back who DP, I get in theory should help you on short yardage situations. One was by choice Shanahan. One was by poor football, the Texans. We have to keep the Niners on alert. If they're going to keep doing stuff like this, that they should not be, perhaps be laying as big numbers as they are if they're going to turtle like this consistently. I mean, yeah, I, I, this, this one, I was scared by that Chargers injury report for sure. I mean, I saw the line was seven in the contest and I was like, well, this doesn't make much sense. But then you look at that Chargers injury report and it was just a disaster. So yeah, I mean, I, yeah, Jimmy Garoppolo looks meh. <laughs> I mean, what, like, what are we supposed to say about him? 
he's just Jimmy G. We 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 know what he I mean, is. Yeah, you he's, you, you close he's your fine. eyes and he makes that Ray Ray McLeod throw where McLeod is running a flare out and realizes that uh, he's covered and he's got a linebacker on him. So Ray Ray McLeod just runs forward. For, I, I like how you laughed because Ray Ray McLeod brings us such horrific memories of that Steelers game. But Ray Ray does something sharp here. He realizes he's got a linebacker on him. He just runs straight. And Jimmy G throws an absolute dime to him down the right sideline. But then he just has so many head scratchers in there. Poor decisions. He just is who he is. He's a league average guy who on his best day can be top 10 and on his worst day can be bottom 25 or something. And that's why they wanted to test Trey Lance and rightfully so to see if they had somebody who could actually play at an elite level. And they're just going to have to try and cobble it together and see if Jimmy G can minimize mistakes in the playoffs. Hashtag when it matters. Anything stand out from you on Sunday outside of the five I games? I thought you were going to go to the Bears game when you were talking about the leverage spots. Bears, Lions. That was so annoying. I mean, this I mean, this game was was, was on a lot on Red Zone. Um, there because was it was a lot out of, of control. Well, there was a lot of <laughs> chatter in our Discord. There was a lot of chatter on social media. and But I wasn't necessarily paying too much attention to the score like for whatever reason. I just assumed... And, and I said this in the Discord, like that with everything that was being said about this game, that the Bears were winning by 40. Like, because everything was just Justin Fields, Justin Fields, Justin Fields, like just nonstop. And then I he was like, He threw one of the worst pick sixes <laughs> you will ever lay eyes on. And nobody's saying a bad thing about it. Granted, I mean, because he's incredible and he comes right back after that, he throws a pick six and then runs for a 50 yard touchdown. So, okay. You're Justin Fields, you made up for it, but it was still a horrendous decision for him. Yeah, I mean this this game was just it was hilarious because I I assumed that the Bears were crushing, and then I was like, wait, the the Lions are in this game, and then the Lions win, and I'm like, what? I'm like everyone had me believing that Justin Fields was was pantsing the Lions out there, was winning by forty. I'm thinking in my head like. All these people who click the Bears, like they're right because the Bears were a top five team. I was like, this is frustrating, you know, that everyone in the contest is going to get this point. But no, they the Lions won outright. <laughs> I'm so confused. Well, the the thing that you have to remember about the Bears is now that they don't have Quinn and they don't have um, Roquan, they're going to be in big trouble on defense. And the Lions were, I mean, has anyone covered Amon Ross St. Brown? Is he still running around somewhere by himself 20 yards downfield here on a Monday morning? We buried the lead, by the way, all the way down to the 40th minute. I have to get full circle. Go, Pat, go! Donnie doubted Aaron Rodgers. The, I'll say the biggest play of the Packers' entire season was Christian Watson catching that first touchdown. That was the... As I think Aaron said the exact, it, it was the 800 pound gorilla off that kid's back after having some horrific drops to start this season. That dude got a bolster of confidence and then he went Moss. He went Randy Moss on the Cowboys. Three catches, three touchdowns. An awesome effort from the kid in Lambeau. We got some loom in this game, right? We had some, some random penalties for the Cowboys at the right time. This, this had it all, DP. You have, this is the spot. 
This this was just the spot. Cowboys blow a two touchdown lead in the fourth quarter. This was the spot of all spots. I mean, yeah, I thought I was pretty confident that the Cowboys were going to get this cover pretty much right up until they messed up on their final drive and gave the ball back to Aaron Rodgers. Like that's when I was like, I was like, this, this, I know how this story ends. I've seen it a bazillion times. He's going to drive down, touchdown. They're going to win it in overtime. Like, I know how this happens. Okay. McCarthy shows up to the game. What was it? Seven hours early wearing a like Vince Lombardi. Or something. Look, we're, looked wearing like he a, was yeah. a Vince Lombardi trench coat. What a clown. I mean, he's just, he's, he's such an outrageous human being. I mean, it's just, it's unbelievable. Yeah, this I mean, is just this was just as Cowboys as it gets. Cowboys favorites on the road. Dak not good. Terrible decision maker. Why doesn't Dak run? Can can you explain this to me? Is this just Dak saying I broke my leg last year, so I'm not running? I mean, yeah, pro- probably. Because <laughs> he should be he should be putting up. I don't know, like Daniel Dimes. I would wager has hundreds of more rushing yards this season than Dak Prescott. Well, yeah, but Dak was also hurt for a while. If my okay, that's fair. Even if we go to yards per game, though. I mean, Dak needs to Dak. If Dak could run like Mahomes runs, meaning like super safe, like not Mahomes was like never getting hit, like unless someone does something egregious out there. But um, just be super safe with it. You know, you don't. We're not saying run like Josh Allen because he takes it the complete other direction, <laughs> and it doesn't matter. Um, but yeah, so if if he can learn to do Six that, then, yeah. rushing yards yesterday. Six. Here are his rushing yeah. outputs in the four games he's played this season. Two for 11. Three for zero. Five for 34. Four for six. Somebody fix it. Isn't that the Konami code? Isn't being mobile at the quarterback position the ultimate game breaker? And like, like we said, yeah. we're not asking for Justin Fields type rushing here. Get to 50, 60 yards a game, my guy. These are these are probably three or four key first downs you can pick up in a game by just being mobile. Cowboys, man. Cowboys going to... They're just the Cowboys. McCarthy and Dak. On the road, it's road. Can't do it. I mean, they Absolutely almost did can't it, Absolutely can't do it. They almost I mean, they almost it. did it. But then they didn't. I, I know. Then they blew it. I mean, the thing, the thing with Dallas is like, if I look at this box score... I mean, I see you just, you can't let Green Bay run for 200 yards. That is what Green Bay wants to do. They ran for 200 yards and Aaron only threw the ball 20 times. Aaron had 10 attempts mid fourth quarter. I mean, like what? Yeah. And they kept talking about on the broadcast. They're like, at some point they got to open it up at some point. No, they didn't need to open it up because it was Aaron Jones, 14 yards of carry. Like it just doesn't matter. Like, I mean, come on, Dallas, eight people in the box. I know it's Aaron Rodgers, and like you always have that back in the mind. But if you've watched Aaron Rodgers this year, he hasn't looked too great. Okay, so I, I mean, just make him beat you right now at this point. Yeah. And he's also throwing to something Watson, something Lizard. Like, I mean, it's just who are these guys? Yeah, something Degora, all the legends. Anything else? I think we pretty much touched on every single game. The two games we haven't said a single syllable about: Saints, Steelers, and Cards, Rams. What's going on with the Saints? 
Is this just Andy I mean, Dalton just, pumpkin? It could just be, you know, water finding its level in the way that they, I mean, they have nobody. Like they have just these bums. Like it's just, and like we were like, in a way we're like, they, they keep doing it every single week. They keep doing it every single week. And we found it so charming, but then we realized <laughs> yeah, that you actually like, need good football players. <laughs> I mean, you need, you need professional football players, not, you know, people off the street pretty much. This is just. This is ridiculous. I mean, can you imagine them can't. switching weapons? If the Saints what do you mean? had the healthy pass catchers that the Steelers have? Oh, well, yeah. I mean, it's just whatever. I mean, the Saints are just—they're a scary team to want to want to back. I mean, I, yeah. I know we liked them this week, but but yeah. I mean, it's also like I think the Steelers have played two good games this year. This being one of them. And like they've looked like a honestly, they've been a lock bottom three team in the NFL every 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 other time and on the whole of the season, just the worst. But they played this, they played this good game and then they played the first good game of the year against the Bengals that knocked the other idiots out of Survivor. They actually played the Jets pretty well, I think. And but that was more of just your classic backup quarterback situation where the backup comes in, everybody gets hype. You put a few drives together, but then. Zach literally had his best game of the year on those two final drives, just kind of mashing it down the Steelers' throat. And then, yeah, we might as well touch upon it to get through every single game here on a Monday. Cards, Rams. I guess... I got no idea what happened in this game. Does, does Cliff just hate Kyler? Is that what this is? It's just, as again, another JMW shout-out. What if Colt McCoy just runs the offense? He's not good. Well, I mean, Colt McCoy's not a good, thing in, not a good quarterback. But at least, yeah, maybe he ran the offense. I mean, Nook got but, fed. Rondale got fed. It's not a real. It's not. A, it's not a hard formula for this Cardinals team. Throw it to Nook. Throw it to Rondale Moore. <laughs> hand it to Jonathan uh, to to Connor a couple times. And Connor did better this week. I mean, he's been pretty much invisible this entire season. Um, but he's he came back twenty one for sixty nine, so not the best um, you know average on his on his touches there. But did punch the ball into the end zone two times um, overall, so he looked you know somewhat serviceable out there. Um, I mean, I think you saw this backup quarterback situation similar to what we saw in New England with Bailey Zappi, where like he came in and he just ran the offense the way that those guys wanted to, and it worked out for them. Um, which I think you saw here, like Cole McCoy is not going to do anything crazy out there. He's not going to be Kyler at times, um, you know, but you also, you don't have that, that upside. And then, I mean, some of this is on the Rams. I mean, come on. I mean, what are we doing with McVay? Like, are we out on this guy by now? Like, can we been just out. stop this? Been yeah, no, out. I know. But like, we've been out, but like, can everyone else like stop talking about McVay? Like he's this it's amazing, <laughs> amazing it's coach. Over. Someone offered him $10 million a year to talk about football, and he decided to stay and be an awful head coach. Idiot. I'm, I'm, I'm done. Done with McVay. Let's end this. I've got a very interesting question for you. Very personal, very selfish, but minute 50, the listeners can deal with it. I'm in a survivor contest where you can only pick a team to win once, but you can also only pick a team to lose once. And heading into week 11, there are I believe, I want to say, a dozen people left. A couple people on their first life. Two people on their first life because you get a rebuy. But this is my quandary for this week. These are my two best options, I think. Green Bay at home against Tennessee Thursday night. 
they are short favorites. And then New Orleans at home against the Rams. Now, if it's Wolford, I think it's New Orleans, which is terrifying. So the first one that popped out of me when I looked at the schedule for week 11 was Titans-Packers. I mean, my fear there is Henry could just run all over Green Bay. Um, Packers so soft up front. Yeah. And, and you know, Tony Pollard <laughs> we're just, we just went for a buck 15 against them. You know, no Zeke in that game. So kind of see that every single week. And, and that's what Tennessee wants to do. So that could, I mean, they could blow doors in in that regard. The, I mean, the other game is like, it's the classic Burt Minotti for me. I want to fade both these teams kind of like at this point, like the Rams, I just, oh, no, oh, the Rams, Rams and the Saints. Saints. Like I, yeah. yeah. I kind of want to fade both of them. I mean, if it is Wolford, then I guess I get it. But you know, I literally think those are the only two favorites on the slate that I can take. That's how tough it is this week. Because of the combo of can't pick a team to win, I'm assuming can't pick you a team can't take to lose. Ravens. No, can't take Ravens. Panthers. I took Ravens week one. Well, do you have any other options at all? I think, like I, I literally think those are the only two favorites oh. that I can take. The only other, the the most devil selection. <laughs> For the listeners, because there are no viewers for the recap podcast. Donnie's not a fan of that. Shocking. The blinders fully on. As something Zach Wilson against Zach Wilson on the road. I mean, Salah off the bye. Yeah, Salah off the bye. What is the total? Is the total in this game 27? (laughs) Who's scoring points in this game? I think it's Saints if Walford goes. But what sucks is I won't know. Because the Packers play on Thursday. This is tough. I need I need some input. Listeners, Discord, please help me. I'm going to need it this week. Follow Donnie on Twitter, at Donnie underscore Peters. I'm at Rich T. Ryan DP will recap the Vegas contest, and we'll be back Thursday to give you our Week 11 card. Until then, peace.